Get ready for your semi-regular dose of random ideas from the guys at Codelation. We like to talk about big ideas, companies that are winning and those that aren't, along with current events in our crazy world of software startups. So come along with Eric and Josh, who challenge you to think big, start small, and turn your ideas into something on this episode of From Idea to Done. Hey, everyone. I'm Josh. And I'm Eric. And in this week's episode, we're going to talk about when you should give your employees equity. And so we have a special guest on the show this week, Nick Horb of Harvest Profit. Nick, can we start out, just kind of get a little background of you and your business? Sure. So... Harvest Profit is a set of farm management tools, software tools that help farmers get more visibility into the numbers side of the farm. So, so much about farming is focused on weather and agronomy and how to raise more crops. But at the end of the day, farming is a manufacturing business and uh, there haven't been a lot of tools on the business side of the farm. So, you know, what exactly is it costing me to raise a bushel of corn or a bushel of wheat? Um, you know, what's my break-even price? If I, if I sell today, where am I at? Um, you know, just a lot of the, the financial analysis tools that almost any business has access to a variety of them, and they've really been lacking in the, in the agriculture space. And so we want to enable our customers to make more proactive and confident decisions and, and without knowing the financial ramifications of it it is difficult and just a, a real quick background in agriculture one crop one crop year tends to contain three different financial years of transactions so a farmer would would buy some other fertilizer or seed the year before they raise the crop they would buy some more inputs the year that they raise the crop and they would sell some of the they typically sell some of the crop that year and then they would also typically sell some of the crop the following year so you have you have financial transactions from three, three separate tax years, three separate calendar years going into one crop year. And that's really muddied the water for, for this financial analysis for farms over the years. And that's what we're really focused on helping that you can't make confident decisions if you don't know the financial ramifications. And, uh, so we're providing better visibility with our software tools. Absolutely. Uh, that's, that's awesome. We little, little known secret. Uh, we, we've known Nick for quite a while now. I can't remember how many years it's been, but we've been fortunate enough to, to kind of help Nick with uh, proof of concept and some early stage stuff. And um, why don't you share a little bit about kind of where you're at right now, Nick, with your, your team and kind of growth plans for, for uh, Harvest Profit. Yeah. So right now we have five and a half employees. So it's myself, three software developers, uh, a dedicated customer support person, and then a um, Claudine. She's a retired. She had retired and wanted to to get back working part time. So she she works with us as more kind of like an office manager, um, administrative, doing some customer success stuff. So five and a half people right now. You know, we're right at the border of. You know, personally, I'm I'm more of a visionary type person. The you know, the operations, the day-to-day -day project management, I wouldn't say is necessarily my strong suit. So we're, we're kind of right at the point now where we're either going to stay a similar size or, you know, it's just not like we're going to add one developer. You know, if, if we add any more development talent here, we probably need some, somebody in an operate, you know, project manager, you know, 
I was talking to somebody yesterday about, you know, how we could do you know, what our next step would be. And, you know, I was painting the vision of, of the, our next hire being a unicorn. And that is somebody who can do, you know, some product ownership. So help guide the product, some project management, a little bit of marketing. <laughs> and then I, as I realized, yes, that'd be quite the hire we make there. <laughs> but being a small team, everybody needs to be a little bit multi, multi-discipline. Absolutely. Um, so I know you've, you've kind of dipped your toe in the water in terms of um, uh, sharing equity with employees. Uh, why don't you talk a little bit about kind of how you got to that point, how that um, kind of folds into the compensation package and just how you're approaching that overall as a company. Sure. So we have, we're organized as an S corp. And so, you know, there's different, you know, if you have, and anything we say here, you know, obviously isn't legal advice, but, you know, you typically have, at least in the U.S., you have LLCs, uh, corporations that are organized as S-Corps, and then C-Corps. So each one of those tends to come with you know, different types of employee incentives. And so we actually, I actually did something that was unique in all of our hires to date, uh, and this is coming to an end now, but all of our hires to date have gotten what's called phantom equity, which, you know, really doesn't grant a whole lot of rights to the employee. Um, but it is, it, it becomes equity upon a change of control. So it, they would get, you know, their share of the company if we ever sell. And uh, the unique thing is we did a, I did a zero strike price. So uh, what would typically happen, like, let's say you go work at a company that's going to IPO and their last valuation was at a billion dollars. And you get a certain number of shares that would be valued at that billion dollars. And so if the company goes from $1 billion to $2 billion of equity value, you participate in that gain. But if it goes below a billion, you don't participate in any of that gain. And so we've been, uh, we've been at you know, an early enough stage where our employee options have had a zero strike price. So it's, uh, they participate in any enterprise value gains from dollar zero up. And, you know, the, the important caveat there is we're essentially giving those options that have value. So you have to get a 409A valuation, it's called. And that, um, so then that equity, when it's granted, would have value in it. So it's taxable to the employee versus, one of the reasons where you know stock options make so much sense is they essentially have no value to the employee, so there isn't a there isn't a lot of taxable consequences there. So, so your employees correct. don't have equity until there's a liquidation event. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. Okay. And then we went with a a one. So I think it's a, called a one year cliff, and then four year vesting after that. So the employees don't actually have any of those phantom stock shares until year one. And then 25% of them would automatically vest on their first anniversary date. And then it's broken out. So over the next four years, they would vest, uh, you know, straight line vesting over the next 48 months. So one 48th every month until they're, their five-year anniversary date, and if there so, is a if there is a change of control during that time, they would all they would all invest. 
Okay, so if if in, if I'm in 13 months into employment in, in Harvest Profit, I would have a, a little bit over a 2% phantom stake in the company. If the company exits, is that what I would I convert all of that to? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And what, what made you go with a, a phantom stock versus a, oh, you know, like a warrant or, you know, just straight equity in the company? So you know, wanted to basically just to keep you know, our attorney. So, so we could have done two things, phantom stock or restricted stock. That's what uh, the, the two options that I was given. Um, we might convert to a restricted stock because there is the, when the phantom stock turns to, if it gets cashed in, it's at operating income. So it's not at capital gains. And so we might want to revisit that. So, it has no bearing on my outcome, but it has a bearing on the employee's outcome. Mm-hmm. So that's where, you know, I, I hesitated wanting to do that because it would take a fair amount of legal work to, to redo that. But now we have the resources where that's not, not as big of a deal, um, but really just keeps things simple. There isn't a whole lot of rights that come with that. Um, you know, they don't get, uh, if you have to have like a shareholder vote, you know, they don't have to participate in that vote. Um, there's no K1, so there's no, you know, you don't have to issue, uh, you know, K1 tax documents to them. It really just keeps things, just the simplicity of it is is the the prime benefit. No, oh, absolutely. I think I think that's a really great upside for the employees, given there's a liquidation event, and um, I think kind of keeps them engaged and moving without. You know, I've done in a few businesses where I've granted, you know, straight equity in the just the end of year tax prep and the K one, and just everyone know how that how that impacts them is always kind of a pain in the butt. So I can definitely appreciate, you know, looking out for your employees that way. You know, the the one the other thing that I've learned, and I don't have any personal experience with this, but you hear you know when uh, publicly traded companies do so, phantom stock. It, it mirrors, it kind of behaves as a, a stock option. But a true stock option is, you know, let's say you have the ability to buy shares of stock of ABC startup at $10 a share. So if you leave, oftentimes there's a, a short amount of time where you can exercise those options. And to exercise those options, you literally have to buy the shares at $10. So, you know, yeah, I hate to say, given where we're, when we're recording now here in the second quarter of 2020, you know, there's probably some, some people that left a, a startup like Airbnb, you know, it was a no brainer for them to exercise their options. So they might've gone out and borrowed, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars so they could exercise their stock options. And now all of a sudden, you know, they might be way underwater there. And so... Um, that's the other big thing is just how is, you know, how do things get treated if an employee leaves and how simple is it for both the employee and for the, the employer. And I tend to think, you know, you know, if you're just a, if I just had a complete self-service self-serving view, I would maybe have done the, the more of the stock option plan because a lot of those people that leave aren't going to, you know, they aren't going to exercise the options and, you know, those, you know, then that equity would just be kind of back in the pool for, you know, for all owners to, to share the benefit of. And so that when the employee leaves, that's where I hear that a lot of the traditional stock option plans, 
really put them in a really uncomfortable position on, mm -hmm. um, you know, short windows to exercise. And it's my understanding that that, that short window to exercise is just kind of been the default. There's no necessarily, there's no real logic for it. And so, you know, I'd like to think that, you know, if you do have an S corp or C, uh, C corp, that traditional stock option plan is probably going to be what you're going with. And if you're raising money from institutional investors, you're going to have a C, you're more than likely going to have a C corp. And if you can, um, you know, my suggestion anyway would be to look at extending out those exercise windows and making it so it isn't a, a huge burden on your employees. Because at the end of the day, an employee that leaves that feels like that, you know, they didn't get treated well, you know, they're going to share, you know, you, you just don't want people to harbor those negative feelings, in my opinion. So, How, how do you treat when, you know, if your employees, they, they don't have um, voting rights into the organization? How do you treat, you know, kind of major decisions, whether that's, you know, going and pursuing some debt financing or, you know, any other big decision that may have impact on the business or on cash flow? Do you, do you bring them back into those conversations or, or how do you, how do you approach that? As of right now, I'm, I'm pretty much the, when it comes to a lot of the, the business details, the finance details, I'm, I think that's probably one of my strong suits. And so I, I do that pretty pretty solely on it. Yeah, I make those decisions pretty much on my own. Uh, we're, you know, we have one of the employees is formally on our board. Uh, another one of the employees is going to go, is going to be on our board. And, uh, you know, one of my goals, frankly, is to start to, you know, to do, to delegate a little bit more of those decisions. Um, but, you know, when it comes to product and software and what we work on next, you know, that's more, you know, that's definitely more collaborative and, mm -hmm. You know, I think my sole decision making probably isn't ideal, and um, you know, it's just kind of the nature of the beast. You know, started as a side project of mine. You know, started working on it full time. Hired one person here, one person there, and it was never a. I was already working on it for two or three years before I hired the first person, and so it wasn't necessarily like they were stepping in as a, a co-founder role. Um, and so I'd like to think my situation is slightly unique in the fact that I, you know, I never really had that true co-founder um, that would, you know, essentially be a, a peer in making decisions. But sure, um, and, and that, yeah. that totally makes sense. You know, we we know your your background and kind of the uh, the financial space and everything. So uh, totally understand those pieces. You know, you talked about um, product um, kind of product design and kind of roadmap there too. Uh, how do you guys make decisions when you when you start talking new features and um, you know putting putting resources into something new? I, I follow you on LinkedIn. And you you always seem to have you know something new that's in the works, something new that people are interacting with and sharing in terms of new feature sets with Harvest Profit. So you know, unfortunately, we're we shoot from the hip <laughs> a lot when it comes to product decisions. You know, we have a feature request backlog, so. You know, our junior developer was in there a couple, you know, a week ago and he picked off a couple of small things that he could work on and just autonomously, you know, just did those. Um, but we're right, you know, right now we're in the midst of working on some longer term stuff to have been working on for a long time. So we really haven't had a lot of those product decisions. Uh, I really think that, you know, especially with our team size, we, you know, intuition is our guide. You know, we just hear things enough that, all right, you know, what can we work on next? You know, let's look at the, the feature request backlog and, 
and let's just make a decision and, and move forward. I, I really like the philosophy of Basecamp and this pr product management philosophy they've laid out in this free ebook called Shape Up, which you just work in these six week cycles. So you have a user story and you're gonna get some version of that story done in six weeks. And you have limited time or flexible scope, fixed time. To me, that's really what we wanna, what I wanna start, start driving towards is that regular cadence where you have that deadline that essentially is just enforcing you to, to limit the size of your bets. Because we have worked on a few features here, you know, luckily all of them have worked out, but we've worked on some that have taken us a long time. You know, well, you know, not just weeks or months, but you know, well over a year. And I, I'd like to try to get away from that and, and reduce the size of the bets that we're making on product. Sure. So kind of, kind of last question for you there. You talked about your product backlog. Is that something that comes from internally? Does that come from customer support? How do you, how do you decide what new features uh, come in to the company? This one is really, the one I was referring to there is just external feature requests. And then I'd like to, I'd like to start working on an internal feature request where we have, uh, you know, if we could template you know, here's a user story, here's some really rough wireframes, here's what it would do. And then, you know, that Basecamp book calls those, you know, you're shaping the features. Yep. And if we could throw those into a backlog and then, you know, pick off those, then anybody on the team could could make a suggestion. Um, so we could have this, these two different buckets of internal and externally generated ideas to choose from. Sure. Well, Nick, thank you very much for taking some time with us today. Um, how can people find you? Uh, how, what, are you what are you looking to promote? What can we help you uh, spread the word about for, for Harvest Profit? Yeah, so if you just go to harvestprofit.com, you can see what we're all about. Uh, we have a pretty active blog. Uh, I'm also on Twitter quite a bit. You know, a lot of farming-focused talk, but you know, just some general business talk as well. And that's Nick Horeb uh, is my hashtag, is my, my uh profile there just n-i-c-k-h-o-r-o-b so yeah would love to hear from anybody if there's any interest in agriculture or feel free to to reach out if there's uh you know any questions on business and software definitely love chatting about it awesome well thanks again nick we really appreciate you coming on the podcast and we'll talk to you soon perfect well i didn't talk at all on that episode and that's kind of pretty okay i mean the topics we covered as a business owner giving employee stock options like i've got very limited insight there and then we kind of jumped into app development and project management both things i know nothing about and they're not really my role but as an employee of a similarly small software development team I'm really glad that you were even just having the stock option conversation. Yeah, sorry about that. I really just kind of ran with it. You know, it's not a, not a lot of people know about, you know, how ownership in a company works. Things like warrants, phantom stock or preferred shares, not exactly, you know, <laughs> common uh, water cooler talk. I think what people mostly know about, you know, equity is, you know, shows like Shark Tank. And one of the things that I never knew about or considered were the different types of employee options. I mean, new business vocab for word for me today was phantom stock. <laughs> yeah, it's, it sounds a little scary, doesn't it? Yeah. 
The, the one thing I know is that what I've done in the past is, you know, granting equity has all sorts of tax implications. There's annual filing rules and issues if you own more than a certain percentage of the business. So it's not something to go into lightly. And one thing like I share is if you kind of saw a difference in his employee effort or a morale on the team when he was giving employees, you know, board membership and these phantom stock options. Yeah, that would definitely be a good thing to dive into and how that looks from a recruitment and a retention standpoint. Kind of after that, he jumped into the app building process. And again, I work for a software development company and I do none of the actual dev work, but I really just kind of enjoy listening and learning to you guys chat shop. You know, that, that question that I asked was more from the fact that I watched Link on, Nick on LinkedIn and he does a great job, you know, sharing what they're working on, what the new features look like within Harvest Profit. You know, I, I creep on Nick too, and I think he's pretty, he's really good to watch on socials. And it's an enjoyable to just kind of see their journey. And like I said, they're kind of similar worlds as us. And I, I like to watch their their evolution of a business. And like the last thing that I kind of forgot to even talk to Nick about was, you know, they were a great customer success story for us as a business. Can we kind of talk a little bit about the work that we did for Nick? Yeah, we were fortunate enough to work with Nick when Harvest Profit was just an idea. You know, he was working as a farm consultant and said, hey, I want to build a calculator to sell more farm consulting. And well, it kind of went the other direction. He's stopped farm consulting and now he runs a software company. Um, but we really um, worked with Nick to get the prototype and first few versions of uh, the app into the market. And since then, he's been able to grow it into you know, really a farm software powerhouse. And I, I know I said that this was the last thing I was going to talk about, but I, I forgot one thing. And Nick, I, I said to follow him on the socials, but He's been such a good leader for our community during all of this COVID stuff. I just wanted to take a moment to thank him publicly for his leadership. And I suggest other people just kind of follow some of his examples. You did that, giving us a little bonus to spend on local businesses. And every other thing I've seen him post during this, I really agree with. Oh, yeah, I 100% stole that idea from, from Nick. Um, and I know he's inspired others to pay it forward as well. Um, he's done just a really great job with this company, and I just always look forward to see what's next from Nick from Harvest Profit and just a really great guy all the way around. Yeah, well, there you have it. If you know a startup that could use our advice, have them subscribe on their favorite podcast platform.